You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. You've now tuned in to the Drawing Board Podcast, a powerful, thought-provoking discussion where we talk about family, relationships, ministry, community, and career. Let's see what exciting guests we have on our show today. Thank you for tuning in to the Drawing Board Podcast. This is Andre Ebron, the founder and the host. I'd like to welcome you uh, to the final days of January. Uh, I hope that you're sticking to all of those New Year's resolutions or commitments that you've made. Uh, you should be listening to me on all of your, your phone or your devices at the gym if you promise to be there, but you probably are not. But anyway, it's never too late to get back on the horse. And like I always share with you, I like to provide you with quality information from quality people. And tonight is no different. I have with me a brother and friend, Sean Malloy. Welcome, sir. Good evening. Thanks for having me. Thanks oh, absolutely, me. man. Listen, I was trying to get on your calendar, brother. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but, man, glad to have you here. So uh, known to some, let me introduce to some and present to others. Brother Sean Malloy is a devoted father and husband. And he has, you have six children. Six children. Oh, right. man, listen, congrats. You took that mandate serious. I, you know, I didn't know I was, but it just worked out that way. Absolutely. <laughs> to be fruitful yeah, and multiply. You said we got to know we're going to subdue the earth, yeah, right? All right. Yeah. So listen, uh, his background spans in multiple sectors as he has served in the United States Air Force as an information technology professional, a nonprofit program director, author, entrepreneur, and he served as a youth pastor and has over 13 years of ministry experience. Whew, 13 years. Go ahead and wipe the sweat off the brow, right? <laughs> Currently he go. serves, I'm telling you. Currently serves you serve as the program supervisor in the Office of Family and Community Engagement in the Detroit Public Schools Community District. His passion and purpose are to encourage and to serve his community. Yep. Sean Malloy. Absolutely, man. So tell me, what, what's the good news coming into the new year? Man, uh, one thing is that we're here. Absolutely. Right? And, and, and I say that in lieu of you know the tragic occurrence that uh, happened on Sunday. It's just a blessing to to be here, you know what I'm saying, and to be able to uh, meet and have opportunity to engage and converse with wonderful men such as yourself. But just to uh, be here knowing that the fact that we're here, there's still purpose for us. And so to be a little bit more intentional about doing what God has called us to do, right? So I think that's just one thing. The top of the year always kind of give you an opportunity to put things into perspective, kind of realign and reassess what it is you're doing, where you're at, where you're at, and then to be more intentional about getting back on track if you're off and uh, just pursuing your purpose a little bit more focused and intentional. So that's where we are. Absolutely. When I was reading, going, going through all of the posts, and I mean, I was even debating whether I was going to do a post or not, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I, I watched so many people, uh, because this is where the momentum is, right? Mm -hmm. I watched so many people who could care less really, you know, like start, they start, and, and I'm not judging their intent. I'm just yeah. saying I've seen the vehicle behind uh, tragedies like this is that they start making posts because that attention brings brand recognition mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. they get into the wave of where uh, the media is pushing, you know, the masses, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I said, man, you know, I didn't, I didn't even, I was like, should I make a post? Should I not make a post? I was like, well, 
I actually followed him as it relates to his practices or his mm-hmm. principles or mm-hmm. and I really appreciated how like for me uh he reminded me cuz I always equate people with where I figure they will align like biblically what character okay, do they okay. remind me a lot of so what I was looking at is that he had an excellent spirit in everything that he did yeah. right yeah. he he demanded excellence of himself he kept high standards and so I felt that instead of trying to just get people to hurry up and process through it uh, to bring in the scripture to say, hey, we're going to rejoice with those that are rejoicing, mm-hmm. but we're also going to take this time to mourn, mourn yeah. with those that are mourning. <clears throat> so, yeah, man, when I saw you posting, you was like, man, it feels like we just lost a family member. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, man, what what did you mean by that? You know how um, the loss of a loved one, uh, depending on how close you are with that individual, uh, how it becomes very impactful, right? Right. And I think for a lot of us— uh, uh, we may not have known Kobe personally, but he was such an impactful figure. Um, not only as a basketball player, I think that's what he's known for just by way of his efforts over the last 20 plus years. But for me, I'm 42, he's 41. And so we basically grew up around the same time. And so for me, it was just um, from a very young age, from teenage years, being able to see someone uh, on that stage, on that platform, who represented very well. Uh, in, in lieu, Even in lieu of his discrepancy um, situation with his wife, but even the bounce back from that. Um, but just to see a young brother that was so articulate, right? He uh, uh, articulate what he was saying. He was a, a phenomenal teacher, very astute at his craft. As you mentioned, he just, the excellence he saw, he demanded. Uh, I read a quote recently where he was talking to Kyrie Irving. He told him that he admonished Kyrie to uh, stir up his team, right? Mm. Uh, don't let things go so smoothly, but be an agitator so no one gets comfortable, right? That's good. Yeah, that's very good, right? right? And so you can see even now that puts a little bit of some of the things Kyrie been doing in perspective because outside it's like, what well, ain't no sense. Right. But um, if, you're, if you're fleshing out advice like that, now it does make sense because there's a greater goal. Um, that you're that you're aiming for, and so again, just um, seeing his career post basketball and the evolution that he was uh, on in in regards to storytelling and just his business acumen, again, um, it just was good to see, and it was very encouraging, and almost to an extent, somewhat we watched him vicariously. Um, again, just from our teenage years, and it was just, I'm always encouraged to see him, how he engaged other athletes, how he was giving back to the game, his Mamba Cam, uh, Academy, and just how open he was to legacy and passing on his knowledge and his aptitude to the preceding generation and the succeeding, uh, uh, that he received from the preceding generation and then to the succeeding generation. So, um, you know, our heart goes out to his family, to the, the families that were also on that plane and just it was a huge loss just because it was so tragic and also so public so public yeah, yeah sir yeah. yeah you know what i i love about uh leaders like this uh that resonated for me uh was that he was a pioneer right so uh he made everybody start to believe that they could go to the league from high school mm-hmm. right yeah and so like there are some people who they are just destined to be rule breakers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to be disruptors in like whatever system they participate in. And like they have that level of thinking, right? Mm-hmm. So you remember when he was coming out of high school and we're like, man, who was this little guy talking trash about Jordan, right? Right, right. <laughs> you know, right, who, right. who, who, who aspired, but like 
his tenacity and his focus, man, maintain. And uh, I think what you shared was very powerful about leadership and the, the advice that he gave to Kyrie yeah. to agitate his team to the point that nobody got comfortable mm-hmm. but continue to exceed and, and succeed uh, to exceed the expectations and to pursue a greater level of success. Yeah. So tell me, man, Sean Malloy at his best looks like what? Oh man, at his best, I don't know if I've seen that yet. Okay, that's that's the aspiration to get there. But um, ideally, one man, humbly, I would just want to be committed to my purpose, right? Okay, and wholeheartedly, intentionally doing things that drive me in that direction, and ultimately, those who are directly tied to me, my family, friends, and those who may be called to me in whatever capacity so um just staying focused man and and uh away from distraction and things that get you off task and, and staying encouraged right uh keeping the right perspective so that you can so that i can you know move forward in the things that i feel god has called me to and created me for so i i just want to be extremely intentional about purpose right right um fulfilling the thing for which i was created here for and just providing the solutions um that i'm here to provide so uh interwoven through your entire conversation has been the whole idea of purpose right yeah absolutely And, and there are a lot of people watching who may have a question for you sean how do we discover our purpose man quite honestly i i don't have a like a generic way for me it came through serving okay quite honestly uh it it came in the mundane right but just being consistent in that uh being faithful to that i think uh from a god perspective god uh his principle is if you're faithful over little right then he'll make you ruler over much i think god wants to see your faithfulness um and then he can release uh, your purpose to you because he'll know that you will be committed to it and faithful to it. Um, and for me, it just was a matter of just being faithful to where I was assigned. And then God just began to have people come up to me and reveal certain things, a series of dreams and visions and things like that. And then confirmation from different people. Uh, and then ultimately searching the scriptures and finding, uh, things that would confirm and affirm what was said and just going from there. Um, and, and, and it was a very, uh, surreal process for me, but it, it happens different for different people. But I think one way to find it is just to be faithful where you are, right? Wherever you are, just be faithful to that and your purpose will come to you, right? It it, it intersect wherever you are and God will give you insight as to who you are and what you should be doing. Okay. Do you think that? Um, growing into your purpose is like a consistent revelation that God unfolds for you, like dimensions of that purpose and how you are to play it out? Yeah, I would say absolutely. Um, obviously, at, uh, at 18 years old, uh, it would look different at 40, right? Right. Um, I think you might have an overall idea of what the purpose is, but obviously you might not know the full extent of the process to the purpose, right? Oh, that's good. Hold yeah. on, man. Let that, let that play out for a minute. The process to the purpose. The process to the purpose. Okay. I mean, yeah. And so the process to the purpose is, that's the journey, right? You see the purpose and wow, it gets excited. Like, wow, I'm going to do this. Right. You would entrust something to, of this extent to me. But then you go back to the monotony. Yeah. You have to go back to the the being faithful. Right. 
and and allow the series of events to take place where you can ultimately walk into what he's called you to. And then once you attain it, now you got to walk that out. Right. Um, I was talking to my wife recently and we were just talking about being your best. And and I just said to her, in in all honesty, what does that look like? Because even if you on a, 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 a track of growth, once you see growth occur, then ultimately something else is going to surface where you say, I, I still need to get better. Right. Right. And so I don't look necessarily uh, put a, a pressure on myself about your best self because I don't think that happens. I think whenever you get to that, then you realize there's still something I can do to improve. Right. Right. And so I think the mindset should be constantly uh, working towards improvement and becoming better because once you get at what you deem to be your best, do you stop? Right. Okay. And you had Keon on uh, not too long ago, Mr. One Percent Better. Absolutely. Right. And so if you had that mindset, then you're never, you're never maxed out because you can always get one percent better. Right? right. And so even if you, we're blessed to fortunate to make it to our older years. Right. Uh, as long as you have sound mind and, and physical abilities and whatnot, you still have an opportunity to get better, right? And so I just think, man, it's always rooms for improvement, and that's and you should find some peace and some joy in that, knowing that, man, however good I feel now, there's something better. There's that I, more. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, man, I I saw uh, that you and your family took a vacation here just recently. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Man, talk to me about that. Why was that important to you? Where'd you guys go? Man, so I have six children, right? So it's eight of us. Eight and eight is enough, right? right. And so, um, but growing up, it was just myself and my brother and my parents. So it was four of us. Uh, okay. Typical uh, Detroit, uh, big three family. Father worked at Chrysler 30 plus years. Uh, um, but our, ex- our, our living was pretty contained, right? Okay. Grew up on... Goldburn, Eight Mile, and Hoover area graduated Osborne. But for the most part, my life consisted of Eastland, Osborne, Grandma House, right, right little block. My father went to work, paid bills, gas station. It was that was that, right? right. Occasional family reunion. Um, my father's from Tuskegee. Uh, we would go down south, but it wasn't any real traveling, family vacation, things like that. Um, when I graduated high school at 18, I left and went to the Air Force. Okay. And while I was in the Air Force, I traveled extensively. Um, and and it sparked a desire to see the world. And once we had children, I just wanted to mirror that with my children. I wanted to provide them experiences that I didn't have um, as a child. And so it was big on us to uh, give our children exposure to the world. And so, uh, you know, that's costly. With, uh, yeah, yeah, so... I took a job. I got a job, part-time job at Delta. Because if you work at the airlines, you can fly for free. Okay. You and your family and your parents. All right. And so from that, we were able to take our kids all over the world for free. Right. And and we just worked our, note, our network as far as friends who work with hotels to get discounts, rental cars and things like that. And so that kind of sparked a bug for us. And so that's what we do. We, uh... Uh, we use those benefits <laughs> for working part time. My wife does it now. Okay. Um, sh- she took on that role, and uh, so that we can continue. So to that we can Absolutely. continue to travel. Yeah. Absolutely. As but, a matter of fact, I think I'm one of your family members. Okay. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But yeah, I, I highly recommend it because, like I said, it's traveling is expensive for eight people. But our, my kids get to fly, depending on availability, first class, comfort plus, and we get to go 
a myriad of places. And so that just expands their thinking and um, how they see themselves. Right. Um, but this over this last holiday, uh, my in-laws are in Mississippi. And so uh, we were going to fly down and get a rental car. We couldn't get a car, though, just because of the holiday. Nothing available. OK. So I told my wife, well, OK, y'all, half of them flew down. I said, well, I'm not going to Mississippi without a car. There's there's nothing to do, right? Right. So I said, me and the boys will drive down. We'll take a couple, two days and drive down. We'll meet you there. And so that's what we did. And when we got to uh, Mississippi, we stayed for Christmas and we left the next day. We was out for two weeks. So it was like, uh, since we're down deep south and we're in the car, let's just go to uh, Alabama. I have family there, but let's go hit some museums up. Right. Um. So we went to Montgomery to the Legacy Museum, which is uh was curated and founded by Brian Stevenson, who's the subject matter of the the movie Just Mercy. That's absolutely. out now. Yeah, man. Absolutely wonderful movie. Uh, have you seen it yet? I haven't seen man, it. Yet. So I I'll say it for those who haven't seen it. Uh, I will implore you to go see it. It is. Uh, awesome movie. Uh, it's even better because it's based upon the true story. Yeah. Uh, it makes alive for us the responsibility. Uh, it's our theme, actually, for Dawson's Black History Month, that freedom is not only our right, it is our responsibility. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so we went there, um, went to the museum, saw all the artifacts, and was able to allow our children to see this, to read this, and the museum is is wonderful because it's not it's not huge it's small and quaint, um, and so you can take your time and go through the various stages of the museum. And while we were there, one of the workers saw us with our family and began to talk to us and just uh, commended my wife and I for having the kids there. And he's like, um, "If y'all can stay another fifteen and twenty minutes, it's a guy." Who's on one of these videos who was exonerated? He still he lives here. I'm gonna call him and I'm gonna have him come over and talk to you all. So he's like, all right, sweet, right? Right. So the gentleman came over and uh he he had caught a case at age 17, caught a capital murder charge in Arkansas. Oh. Yeah, and uh he did uh 13 years. Um he was exonerated in 2017. He got out, he was the first uh, out of Stevenson's clients, he was the uh, he set the precedent for juveniles receiving capital murders. Mm-hmm. So the law changed, um, and as a result of him being free, uh, all of the ones who had caught cases with him were also free. Okay, and then now the precedent is on the books against uh, charging juveniles with capital murder, capital murder life sentences. So, so now more charges are in the process of being. Uh, change uh, for various uh, people. And so, man, just to hear his story, just to uh, hear how he persevered, his name was Contrell. Okay. Um, and just to see uh, a living example of someone who had benefited from this man's life work, um, it just added more impact on the actual vision. And then we left there. They have an actual memorial a, a, a couple blocks away. We did the memorial next day and there they have artifacts uh reflective of, of various uh, almost innumerable people who had suffered lynching wow. um through various parts of the south man it's very and i and i posted pictures online it's very um sobering to see um just one the quantity of people who suffered this but also just the uh 
the vastness of the states and cities and counties who participated participate in these heinous uh, acts against our people, man. And um, and then just being in Montgomery, and I hadn't been since I was a kid, but to see the close proximity of everything, literally within a quarter mile, mile range, uh, you have the, the state capital. Right. On a corner, catty corner to the state capital is the, the first White House of the Confederate Army. Mm. One block away from the capital is uh, uh, Dexter Memorial Baptist Church. Well, Dr. Dr. King. King right. so a block around the corner is the, the market square where slaves were sold and auctioned off. Uh, across the street from there is where Rosa Parks was arrested. Around the corner from there is the place where the Civil War was started. Uh, I mean, it's just so much history. But to take, to go back to those times to imagine the bravery, right, and the fortitude of our ancestors and our forefathers, how they literally were smack dab in the midst of such, such uh, acts and such uh, behavior, ill behavior towards them, and how they persevered. Um, and withstood that for us. Absolutely. Right. And just to see, uh, uh, just to see it and how it's evolved, but to try to flash back on those times and just imagine, man, like how great of a people they were to be able to withstand it. Cause I don't think. No, we, we we're, we're, yeah, we're not, we're not we're, built we're that not way. Built yeah, we're that not built way, that way. Right. right. And so, uh, we are not. It, it was very sobering. And again, just to put those images and that history, uh, and my children, and then go to go to meet aunts who are seventy five and eighty, and to hear the stories, to see the pictures of the great grandfather and the great aunts, and all of those things, man, just turned out to be a very impactful trip. And then we left there, and then we um, went on to Atlanta, and went on saw Dr. King's site, and then right. and, and went into the church and his home, and. An, another uh, sobering um, experience, again, to see how close they were and how almost inherently intrinsically involved in these things. Like he literally lived a block away from the church. Right. Right. So this was their life. You know what I'm saying? This Absolutely. is this is this was their 24 seven day in, day out experience and in the midst of that they didn't cower they didn't flee but they took and assumed leadership positions to fight and advocate for causes that were uh for our for an entire race of people in an entire country and it started right here in this in this small small space man and it's just encouraging to know how again if you can commit to something and focus on it, the the results and the 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 benefit and the blessing for others could be could be f- for generations to come, you know. So, and that was just good, man, for my kids to have that experience and uh, just to just to put that in their mind, put those images so that they'll have with them for for the rest of their lives. Absolutely, I'm glad that you were able to share that tonight uh, because we talk about exposing our children. Uh, exposing the children that we serve uh, to greater opportunities, to greater perspectives. And I think that uh, we're missing that oral tradition yeah, that absolutely. our elders, absolutely. Uh, that's how a lot of that 
wisdom was bequeathed, you know, through oral tradition that we don't slow down enough to be able to have these conversations uh, because that history still plays a huge role in what's happening today. I'll give you the message. I heard it when you were just sharing it, man. You could take the message. I give it to you. It's okay. called a small space, right? All okay. right. Okay. I did. You know I, 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 mean? I, I, All right. So yeah, yeah. Despise not the day of small, small beginnings, beginnings right? right? All right. So yeah, then you can bring like in the, okay. the context of well, you know, how everything was right. That was good. Yeah, we preach it It's called first mic. Whoever get the mic first, you preach it first. That was good, man, because like, although with our children, statistically, a lot of them uh, within Metro Detroit, they say some never leave a five block radius, right? And, and that's and so that's, that's what I that's explain what explaining, as, right? as far yeah. as my childhood, exactly. Right. Yeah. And so when you talk about a small space, but the greatness that was existing within that small space, mm-hmm. the the business, the the principles, the the uh, the culture that existed in this small place that impacted the world, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you know, I'm drawing all these cultural references. That mm-hmm. if you go over to the Holy Land, you know mm-hmm. that where things happened was a very small, small space, space right? right? But there is so much history layered underneath that area, right? Mm-hmm. So, man, I, I see all of this conviction that you have regarding family, regarding God, regarding your community. I know you took a run for office, man. What like what motivated you to go that route? Man, quite honestly, uh, again, the, 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 the underlying aspiration was to serve the community, right? Okay. Um, the Bible says that when the people... Uh, when the righteous rule, the people rejoice, right? Absolutely. And so we just wanted to have some righteous representation in the seat of authority. Um, cause we've mourned quite a while. Absolutely. And so we wanted to try to bring some rejoicing to the community, right? By way of, uh, office. Um, and so even, even with that, it was a wonderful experience, man. I, I served the district, uh, of over 90-something thousand people across right. three cities, Detroit, Harper Woods, and Gross Point. Yes. Um, and just to get out and to knock on doors and meet uh, a vast amount of people, we got about 20% of the votes, so close to 2,000 votes, which is no small feat for a first-time uh, candidate run against, running up against an incumbent. Right. Um, and so from that, though, just to really have a, a Boots on the ground, walking through the variety of experiences in the various communities in the cities, man, was very heartfelt to talk to people, to engage people, to see what their uh, experience was, what they desired to see, what they liked, what they disliked about our government and just their day to day affairs was just um, very eye opening and very beneficial to see. And, 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 and although I didn't win the office, um, it, it it gave me a greater understanding of the community of which I was a part of and just various uh things that, that are needed, right? And so it was a wonderful experience and shout out to uh the incumbent who won. She's doing a wonderful job. Um so uh appreciate the work that she's doing. But for me it was just about again just trying to uh have a, a, some righteous represent, rep, representation in the seat of authority, I think for the most time, most part, we we find ourselves in places of reaction. Uh, we wanted to try to be proactive about bringing about some type of change, and knowing that the the influence was to uh, one of a godly nature, and not one for solely political gain or uh, capital gain, or just to do right by the people in our city and in my particular community. So, yeah, that's why we we did that. Uh, oh, excellent, excellent. What role do you think? 
there's the the grassroots voice, the voices from the grassroots play in like systemic change regarding any system, educational, political, church. Man, I think historically it was that grassroots voice that brought about the change. Uh, I think it's a lot of power in unity and it's not necessarily in the masses because you can have the masses but not have unity. I okay. think I think that the the uh examples of a solidified effort by a small group of people with one consistent message can bring about a lot of change. I think you have to be very intentional about what it is you're trying to change uh, and then accurately assessing what's uh, driving the thing that needs to change and then find some type of counter strategy uh, to go up against it and then have people who are uh, tenacious and persistent and who are willing to withstand whatever the challenge and obstacle is to uh, overcome what it is you're coming up against. And we see that uh, civil rights move started in the basement of the uh, church we talked about, right? Yes, indeed. Uh, and and, and uh, Gideon is 300, right? It just It's always been small groups of people who brought about massive amounts of change, but those small groups of people have to be committed to that cause and persistent and tenacious to withstand the ebbs and flow of what will come externally and internally and stay uh, focused on um, uh, bringing to fruition what it is they're desiring to change, man. So um, education, I think, uh, you know, we do a lot of work with parents. A lot of our work is uh, around increasing the awareness and the aptitude of our parents to know what they have the right to do. Okay. Um, I think a lot of times the narrative that parents receive is that school or education um, is the principal school or it's this and that. And the reality of the matter is that if you don't have children, if you don't have parents, there are no schools. There are no schools. And so parents need to know the seat of authority and the seat of the leverage that they have um, so that they can bring about um, change, desired change that they need. Uh, we live in a city or state uh, where uh, we see how the education uh, uh, funding has decreased. Um for us specifically, our, you know, we're seeing our services are improving, but we still have a long way to go, right? right? And so, um, and to offset the apathy that has existed, um, you know, it's a lot. And so we need to, you know, we work hard and tirelessly for parents to know um, what their children should be receiving and then how to prop- properly advocate for it. Um, so that your voice can be heard. And so that's what that's a, the lion's share of what we do. Uh, and it produces fruit. Man. Um, again, and, and when you can walk, walk along people and, and, and help them, that builds their confidence. And then it's almost like discipleship. Right. Then they in turn go and find another parent, so on and so forth and begin to uh, champion those efforts that are near and dear to them. Yeah. Right. Oh, I did. When I when I got a chance to see some of your staff, I said, oh, they went and pulled some big time ministers, some preachers that's coming in here to make some things happen. Man, right? so let me tell you about that. Let me tell, let me tell you. So this is this is this is the benefit of doing all things unto the Lord. Right? That's right. Um, and so, you know, you oftentimes hear it's not what you know it's who, you know, absolutely. And so if that's the if that's a true statement, then you have to be intentional about building relationships, right? Right. Um, he who hath many friends must first be friendly, be friendly. right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, 
I was able to attain a position um, just because of a previous work experience that I had. Um, and I was able to matriculate right into this field easily and coming off of campaigning, right, it further enhanced my ability to engage community, right? right. Um, and so when I came in, I was presented to me like, all right, so we're hiring, um, you know, we have a lot of women. If you know some additional men, you know, call them men. Well, my counterpart that we know, right. he uh, he had ran as well. And we're cool because I was youth pastor and he was on my staff. Right. And so we did a lot of things together in the community. I took him alongside him with me. And even when it came time for running the office, I encouraged him to run too. Right. And so he, he, he received similar experiences that I did. And so when the opportunity came for me to make a reference for an additional staff person, I was able to refer him and he slid right on in, right? And so I think that's why, that's the beauty of having a good name, right? That's right. And and to, uh, the Bible says you have to let your light shine before men that they could see your good, good works, works, right? And, and so, yeah, yeah, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I think that uh, maintaining and being intentional about your walk uh, transcends or transitions into the workplace uh, and it's all biblical. It's Daniel. It's right. Absolutely. Uh, it it all works to people would desire to have more like you, right? That's good. And yeah, and so and if you have somebody who has skills or has the um, ability to uh, learn quickly, then you'll be able to help other people, and that further the cause of the Lord, right? Absolutely. And so and so yeah, so I was able to do that. And and it's working. It's working. To, it's working very well. And you know who we're talking about. So right. yeah, right. So you your your team is working diligently, man. Uh, some of the things. Talk about some of the things that Face is able to do uh, within the district and the city. What's some uh, of the things? Oh uh, man, um, it's just a wonderful opportunity we have, man. We're in a district that has over fifty thousand plus students, and 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 just from a numbers perspective. We have over 50,000 plus students if they have one parent. One parent. We're talking that's about 50,000. Right. So you got two parents. So it's upwards between 50 and 100,000 parents across the entirety of the district, every race, every nationality, various languages, various cultural, various educational experience, poverty, uh, wealthy, middle, whatever the case may be, the full right. gamut of it. So it's very dynamic. Uh, and we're, we have the opportunity to find ways to create programming and content that would get the parents involved and engaged, uh, in their children's education and ultimately the success of the district at large. Uh, we create content. Um, what we have is called a parent academy, uh, which, uh, which was partially funded by the Kellogg Foundation or primarily funded by the Kellogg Foundation. And they've given us the ability to create programming content based around educational content, workforce development, professional development, student achievement, just a litany of things. And we provide top-tier workshops all at no expense across the entirety of the district, for uh, not just for district parents, but for the community. So all this program is provided to the community, whether you go to a DPSED school or not. And that's just another opportunity from a district perspective to serve the community that is in, even if you're at a competing school, because we, we understand the value of the content that we provide. And so we, we, we steward that man. 
we have a faith-based council right. where we're working across the city to partner churches and ministries uh, with these schools. So if you're a pastor or uh, associate pastor, youth pastor at a school, there's an opportunity for you to come out of the four walls of your church and to serve a community in your vicinity, uh, a school in your vicinity. Uh, children, students, families are there. Um, they have needs and your, your ministry has people that can help supply those needs. And so get involved. So there, there's a lot of things that we're doing. We, we do, uh, a bilingual, PAC Parent Advisory Council where we have committees and meetings for our non-English speaking parents so that we can keep them engaged and involved with the happenings of the district, right? Um, So just a lot of of stuff we do, man. Yeah, it's a lot of things we do. No, absolutely. So, man, you have a a full plate uh, from, you know, family, uh, ministry, uh, you know, had your political aspirations on run. But what I've loved about it all, the the words that I hear just continually uh, coming up as you speak is, number one, keep all activities centered toward purpose, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Be totally intentional about what it is that you're doing. Uh, You can serve God in a myriad of ways. And, you know, it's not just relegated toward your ecumenical, you know, service uh, within the four walls of your church. In fact, I tell people, I said, it's like going to the gym. You just got to figure out. What gym best suits yeah, you, right? Yeah. And so nobody stays in the gym all the time. It, it would do us no good to to build up these strong physiques and to just continue to look at the gym mirrors, right? Yeah. Yeah, you work out in the gym so that you can come out in public <laughs> and shine, right? Right, right, right. And so uh, what I love about it, man, is that even when I got ready to invite you on and coming into the podcast to the, to the studio – uh, sharing with people who was coming on. It was like, oh, Sean Malloy. Oh, great guy. Oh, uh, another, another, another person I shared with. Oh, it was like, oh, Sean Malloy. Oh, yeah, that's a good brother. You know, Amen. Uh, it was like, oh, that's my heart. He doing, you know, he doing oh, that's great funny. work. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, man, listen, you definitely have been able to build up a great name. You're doing a great work. And I guess I would ask, man, what's next for Sean Malloy? Man, I'm, you know, I, I, the, the call is there to pastor. Okay. Um, and then the call is also to serve the community, right? And so the Lord told me two things. One, you're you're not just a spiritual leader, but you're also a community leader, right? Okay. And so that's kind of the vein that I'm on. Um, I had an IT background, worked at CompuWare. I walked away from it, transitioned into into uh, giving back to the community. And, and now that's evolved into what I do now. And so... I'm just seeking God for what that will look like and how and and where um more importantly um uh what we would do how how that would flesh out and and but I know whatever we do it will be heavily uh uh wrapped around serving the community and also uh building up the kingdom of God. Okay, excellent. So this is what I'm going to do, man. I'm going to open it up to the community who may have some questions. You can go ahead and text some people, call some people. We're going to open it up, open the lines up. The phone number here is 248-579-5295. We are in Studio One. Again, the phone number is 248. Somebody please put it in the comments. 248-579-5295. If you have questions for uh, Brother Sean Malloy, if you have some comments, some experiences where he was out there 
knocking door to door and you just want to express your <laughs> thanks and gratitude. Listen, man, I love grassroots be work. Be kind. Yeah, please be kind. <laughs> oh, listen, only positive comments only. Uh, we will introduce you to our friend DT. Uh, if you call with anything else yeah, than positive, yeah, dial tone. I, when I used to work social work, uh, somebody called and um, told my supervisor that I hung up on them. I said, no, I didn't hang up. I, they were yelling and screaming and cursing, and I knew that our conversation was not being productive. And I told them, I'm going to count from five to one, and then I'm going to hang up the phone. Should you choose to remain on the phone after one, you will be introduced to my friend, DT. All right? So, uh, so yeah, very diplomatic. Yeah, you know, basically said, I'm getting ready. You know, yeah, but yeah, yeah. That's listen, hilarious. So, yeah, 248-579-5295. Um, I have, as a dean of culture and climate yeah. uh, for Detroit Public Schools Community District, and having served in a number of schools from public to private to charter schools, the number one engage, the number one question that all principals have, teachers have from preschool all the way through 12th grade is how are our families involved in mm-hmm. our school? I had a question. I want to get your think, your thoughts about it. Uh, somebody said, okay, Ebron, this PTO, have we outlived the days of PTO and PTA, right? Yeah. And yeah. like, okay. You get all of these people together in one room. Mm-hmm. What do you really want them to do? What do you think about that? Man, so that's another one of our initiatives, actually re-implement PTA across the district. And us, us it's quite challenging um, just because trying to, one, uh, one establishing proper communication between parents and schools. Uh, specifically administrations. Uh, a lot of times parents feel unwelcomed That's in true. schools, right? And or intimidated based on their educational levels, right? Right. And so it's a lot of work that takes place that has to take place with school. We used to do uh, effective communication workshops across the district with principals and teachers uh, or staff at large to kind of help them deal with or acknowledge biases and uh, auras that they would often have when engaged in parents, which uh, cause parents not to feel welcome, right? And so, but from a PTA perspective, I think it's just, again, ha- uh, effectively conveying the purpose of the group and its role within the school, right? And then both parties understand the roles and responsibilities and then working towards common goals, uh, throughout the school year. And, and so that's the task and that's the uh, um, mission that we're on. I think um, it also takes commitment. Right. Because uh, these are leadership roles. Uh, there's funds involved. Um, the, uh, these are, this is a hundred plus year old organization with national um, uh, roots. And so um, big on advocacy and things like that. So it's a lot that they can do. Um, but it's just it just takes a lot of time to increase the aptitude of the parent groups to fully understand the purpose of the PTA and then working with schools around common uh, mission and visions and then bringing things to fruition. So but it, it is valuable. Right. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's valuable because, it, again, it's another way to harness the voice of parents and to give them a, a means by which they can collectively and with some solidarity come together around 
uh, issues that they're that are near and dear to their heart. Uh, right. And what's best for the students at the school. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, I have seen it two ways, several yeah, different I'm ways. Sure. Right. I'm sure. So I've seen it where the PTO or PTA has gotten so strong that they developed their own nonprofit. Right. Yeah. So they, they are. So yeah, 501c3s. So, yeah, 501c3. yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. So they created their own and. We're able to get some funding, mm-hmm. and because they <clears throat> had momentum and things were going, the school was blessed and able to do some creative things mm-hmm. yeah. centered around what the PTO needed to do because those funds weren't as regulated as it relates to where they go. Correct, right? correct. Uh, and then I've seen it where because it was going so strong that the PTO began to try to dictate, mm-hmm. you know, to the school mm-hmm. what's going to happen. So like it, it's that healthy balance. Of like shared power, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and then, then collaboration, seen, collaboration. So then I've seen it where uh, you may have some parents who have a strong passion and strong heart, but don't necessarily have the leadership acumen mm-hmm. to be able or the skills to facilitate, you know, <laughs> healthy buy-in from yeah. the rest of the staff. Yeah, and maybe have not been in the position of power. So then you get this kind of, you know, tyrant, uh, tyrant or dictatorship, yeah. right? And and it's about that coaching piece, right? Absolutely. So, uh, I think that when you have strong principal leadership mm-hmm. uh, that fosters collaboration from the beginning, yeah. then parents, it's not a rarity for their voice to have power within the four walls of their school. Correct, correct. Yeah. So, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it. Um, here's the one thing that I, I laughed when I shared this, though, Sean. So. We have our our Instagram page, right? Okay. And and we were I was telling myself, well, you know, statistically, you have to have so many touch points in order to create a conversion to get parents to do certain things. Okay. Right? Okay. And so I said, we, I wanted to send out a text message to say, follow our IG page. We promise not to follow back, right? Okay, that's funny. <laughs> right, you know, so, <laughs> uh, because you know certain people. I don't want you to don't see, want you to see. Yeah, what, what they have going on. Yeah, and yeah, that's why, absolutely. Like, yeah, so Facebook was safe, right? Right, yeah. Because or if your page is <laughs> private, then you have to approve. But I promise you. So listen, hey, follow our page. We promise we back. not to follow back. Right? Well, if you had them, whoever your marketing person is, they would look at you with great disdain. What are you talking about? Right. So I'm telling you, man, listen, only because... We want you to be informed. Yeah, absolutely. But you know how that goes. Yeah, so, absolutely. Again, the phone number is 248-579-5295. We're here live in the studio with Brother Sean Malloy yeah. from the Office of Face. Let's let's hit it up. All right. So I'm getting ready to pull up. Let's talk about your book. So you're an author. My book. Now, talk to me about that process while, you, while you're grabbing the book. Talk to me about what was the process. How did you, you. begin writing? Uh, what compelled you? Why did you feel you needed to put pen to paper? I've, I've always uh, liked reading and writing. And so, you know, one of my uh, dreams for myself, I always saw myself like sitting at a desk with a typewriter. Okay. Typing and balling up stuff during the way, retyping, rewriting it, you know. So I just felt led during that season to to write a book about prayer. Um, and so I committed to doing it. And um, and I didn't want to write anything too lengthy, too long. I wasn't trying to be too super deep, if you. I just wanted to present something almost as a reference, uh, something simple, um, heavy, induced with Scripture, 
and with just a little bit of uh, uh, commentary. And so from there, um, I just dealt with uh, God said ass, uh, just uh, ass seek not. And we just wanted to kind of lift up that premise that we as children of God have not only been given and afforded a privilege to pray, but we've been given a command. Absolutely. To pray. Right. And so um, we wanted to just lift up some of the benefits of praying, how it impacted some of those we read in the Bible, but also gave some testimony of how prayers blessed our lives. And so from that, we just took the time to write it out, uh, went through the scripture, pulled different stories and references, like I say, and kind of just lifted it up. And so it was good for me to write it. And it's just good to have something in print to go back to and and then also to share with people. So, yeah. Yeah. So God said, ask, ask, seek, knock. So I just opened it, you know, yeah. uh, like, so I pulled, to, I'm on page 64 for those of you that have it. And the question was, seek what? Yeah. Yeah. What are you seeking God for? There has to be a purpose behind your seek. The first order in our seek is to learn more of God, his character and his ways. That is priority number one. Our ancillary seeks should have traces of these principal things and reflect what we need to fulfill our purpose and for insight as we intercede for others. And then it goes into a litany of things that you should seek. Well, man, that whole principle of Matthew 633 of seeking the Lord, yeah. man, that, that's, that's huge because, man, we hear, and I, man, I love what people are doing as it relates to once you believe, you know, there's some teaching, some training, some educating, you know, some indoctrination that you receive as a disciple. But to win souls, like there's there there has to be a return to us coming collectively together to seek God, right? Mm-hmm. So, man, uh, I know I've heard, and I saw my church was doing it as well. But in January, I saw a lot of prayer meetings going on. Yeah, people were getting yeah, consecrations back to prayer, twenty one day consecration, Daniel fast, you know. So yeah, man, talk to me about that. Your prayer time with God. What is what is that? If you're able to share, what does that look like? Man, it it it's a, it looks like a, a multiple things. Okay. Uh, obviously, just because of the business, the business of life, uh, it's not twenty hours laying prostrate, right? Okay, it's actually walking and talking with God, literally, right before I walked in the building. Right. Prayer like, Lord, have your way. You know what I'm saying? Just when you walk in meetings, when you're engaging with people, just talking to the Lord, because that's the simplicity of prayer. It's just talking to God. Right. Right. So you have your times where you get up early in the morning. Right. And you uh, you pray and seek God and you read scriptures and do devotionals, family devotionals, things of that sort. But it's it's not one thing. Right. I think it's very dynamic. Um, cause he's a very present help. And so you can That's call right. upon him at all, at any given time. There are no barriers to prayer. There are no limitations, no boundaries that can prohibit prayer. Um, as long as you have breath, you have a sound mic of your faculties are working, you can talk and commune with God. And that's what God aspires to us to do. Adam and Eve walk with, walk talk with, with yeah. God. And Absolutely. so God wants us and, and, and Jesus and, Implored his disciples, like you, you pray, heavenly Father, give us 
this this day day. our daily bread. So there's a constant or daily portion that God wants to meet out to us, and it happens through prayer. And so, man, just being able to stay focused and persistent and consistent and dedicated to spending time with God throughout the day um, in some capacity, just talking to him, seeking his guidance and his input in in your day-to-day affairs. So that's what we try to do. Absolutely. So there, there is no one way nah. uh, to pursue God in prayer. Nah. Uh, you can do it through your scriptural reading of devotionals. Yeah. You can pray. You can just mm-hmm. converse with him. You can just lift your hand and say, Lord, I mm-hmm. need you. Lord, yeah. gu- yep. guide me, direct me. It is an ongoing conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Of uh, uh, both speaking and listening. Hearing, yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So, man, we have a couple minutes left. Sean, tell them where they can get in touch with you, brother. Man, um... I'm on Facebook, Sean Malloy, I believe, Instagram, Sean Malloy. Um, you know, I'm, you see me on uh, at work, DPSED. I'm across the district. I'm doing a lot of stuff. So, but uh, that's it. Primarily, you see me on Facebook and Instagram. I'm not, I'm not out there pushing or promoting anything right now. So, um, we're just living. But you know, if Facebook, Instagram, you see me, Sean Malloy. I'm out there. One L M A L O Y. <laughs> okay, yeah, Sean Malloy, 1L. Right, so if you want to get the book, where can they get the book? Man, you can get the book on Amazon. It's still out there. Or you can hit me on, like we just mentioned, Facebook, and we can autograph it for you and get it to you, $10, and, and you'll have it. Oh, yeah. So listen, for an investment of $10, you can get this book in your life. God said, ask. Ask, seek, seek and knock. knock. Yep. And listen, I guarantee you that the door will be open. So as we always say on the drawing board, Your future is not behind you. It is not before you. It is within you. And I'm Andre Ebron, Brother Sean. Thank you for being yeah, on the absolutely. show. Thank absolutely. Thank you for having man. me. Absolutely, man. Maybe I have to have your whole team back so we can go ahead and chop it up. So hey. I know it gets lively in, you know, oh, with yeah. the face off. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, again, uh, I, we implore parents to get involved at your local schools. We implore principals and teachers and administrators to welcome parents in your building because that collaboration has the potential to exponentially change the outcomes for the children that we serve. So listen, God bless you. We're headed into February the next time I see you. And guess what? God will still be faithful then because he is the one who is what? And is to come. Absolutely. God bless you. Peace out. (laughs)